Common Knowledge Podcast, just a man doing the best he can with what he got. And right now, I got a special guest, my OG, a guy who helped me out in college. Part of the greatest chapter of the greatest fraternity ever, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, Blue Phi. You know. Yeah. The homie, Robert Lee. And before we get started, man, let me give you your roses, man, because uh, there's all like few people that I went to college with, because I was kind of old when I went to college. There's only a few people that I actually looked at as a big brother. And you were on that short list of guys who actually are like, okay, you know what? I need some advice. Let me go holler at Robert Lee. So <laughs> so thank you, man, for all that. So look, look, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or what, because you already started out by saying you was old. So if I was a big <laughs> brother, that means I got to be older. <laughs> no, nah, man, it's like uh, I went to, um, a lot of folks don't know, I went to, um, I got deployed during my first run of, uh, okay. um, of going to college. So when I came back, like a lot of the folks that I went to school with were already in fraternities. They're already like in their college careers per se. But like, just to be honest between you and me and whoever's listening right now, I didn't respect a lot of those guys. Like, look, it's because you older in college, dude, I'm like 25. But for you, it was always an air of wisdom behind you. You always like uh, had a, a calm demeanor. And you saw things like they was like for me personally, I got like a uh, a high head temper, but you was always cool, calm, collect. I can share some stories, but I'm not going to do that. But it's like a lot of times that you was like, you know what? Just calm down. It's cool. We'll deal with it later. I'm like, all right, bet. <laughs> You're right. Let's deal with it later. Exactly. So, Life's too short, man. Listen, hey, I try to be calm as I can, man. I, I wish I could take all the credit. I used to be a high head too coming up, but I get my wife got me right. So she got me on that calm nature. So. I just, hey, I practice peace all the time. Yeah, it's another way around it. And shout out to the beautiful wife, man, the family. Uh, let's go ahead and crank it up and get it started. Now, you are doing something miraculous and much needed. And I want to get into both aspects of it, but I want to start with the first one. Because I'm going to ask like, the dumb questions everybody else is afraid to ask. Because I'm just a novice in this. How do I repair my credit and why should I repair my credit? Well, I'm going to switch it around for you. So the question really is why first? And the why is we give away so much money with interest rates. So can you remember the first car you bought? Uh, or the last? Yes, I can. They had it. So what's the interest rate on that? Or was on that? I actually bought it straight out cash. It was used. Spread out cash. Y'all see, see how you kill my example? I'm going to use myself for an example. Then. Look at this Look at this guy right here. So, so give you an example. I'm driving right now. I went out and bought a 2017 last year, uh, Denali with uh, TVs, uh, leather, two sunroofs, all the works, everything. And my car, note is two, my car note is $250. That's the flex. So the flex ain't everything that's got in the car. The flex is the fact that my car note is $250. A friend of mine has a brand new 2018 or 2016, I think it was 16, like a Kia Optima. That's like a sedan car, you know, similar to the Camry or something. And uh, he's got like a $510 um, car note. Damn. But my car costs more. So the big question is, that's the why. Like we give away so much money. So if you take that 250 and he's like at 517, um, so what's that's like two and some change, I guess, two, mm -hmm. 260 maybe. So he's like 512. So that's $260 that he's giving away because when he chose to purchase that item or he chose to purchase that vehicle, he didn't have good credit. 
And so that's that's kind of like the why. Like we spend a lot of our time giving away our money to these banks. And they're they going to love to get you approved. See, people think, well, you got to have good credit to get approved for a car. No, you don't. They get you just good enough so they can hit you with that 17% or that 24% interest rate. And so now you're thinking, yes, I got this brand new car. But at the same time, you're paying, you're paying two car notes for it. So wow. for me, myself, my SUV is 250 third row. And his vehicle is 512. And it's a little car, the video car. So you got to look at that. That's kind of like the why. Like we need to stop giving away money to the to the banks. Like I said, the banks are taking enough already as it is. We need to do something to stop taking, giving away money to the banks. And now, so the other part of your question is, was pretty much how, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So a lot of people misunderstand credit repair. So credit repair is, first of all, it's a process. So there's no magic button. So whether you was to go get credit repair from anybody out there, whether you was to try to do it by yourself, there's no magic button that you can press that zaps with credit repair. So I'll be very transparent right now, and I'm quite sure you could be transparent as well yourself. So um, every debt or all the debt that you have on your credit file, unless you had stolen identity, it's your debt. And you did whatever you did. You made mistakes as a kid, as a first time college student, whatever the case may be. We all made those mistakes. But at the end of the day, all those bad decisions, those are our bad decisions. So when people think that, well, because I got nine negative items on my credit report, I need somebody to go fix that. Can you zap that away? You can't zap that away. So the fact of the matter is we own that debt. So take that in consideration. Now, what a lot of people don't know is the um, credit bureaus is privately owned. And the collection agency, they're privately owned. So me and you, we both can start our own collection agency tomorrow if we wanted to. Wow. And so, and so what you what they do is, let's say if we started our own collection agency, we're gonna call Bank of America. We're gonna say, hey, Bank of America, what charge-offs do you have available that I can purchase from you? So Bank of America is gonna say, Oh, I got this uh Mr. Robert Lee, he owed me a thousand dollars. Um, you know, how much, you know, and then we'll and me and you will say, Well, how much you want for that? They say, ah, I'll take about 350. So, so me and you both, we got our money together. We're going to buy that debt that Robert Lee owes Bank of America $1,000. We're going to buy that debt for three fifty. So now, let's say we, we shoot Robert Lee a, a notification to say, hey, you know, this has been sent to collections. We're here to collect, blase, blase. And let's say Robert Lee, he's ignoring the collection just like he was ignoring Bank of America. So then now, let's say one or two years later, guess what happens? Robert Lee want to buy a house. And Robert Lee want to buy a car. <laughs> so now what Robert Lee do? He's checking his... uh. Credit repair, he's checking his uh he's checking his experience, he's checking his credit file. First thing they say is you got this collection. So your credit ain't where it needs to be because of this collection. You need to get rid of this in order for you to get home. So that's where the um the credit bureaus come in effect. So all they do is compile all this information sold to them by the creditors. So by Bank of America, by whoever. So they go out and you know purchase this information or it's sold to them just so they can create this credit file on you because they're probably on. So when they create this credit file, now they basically show the lenders, are you a high-risk lender, or I mean a high-risk uh, uh, person or a low-risk? And so if you're a high-risk, you're going to have a low score. If you're a low-risk, you're going to have a high score. So back to the, to the example. So now when I'm ready to buy a home, first thing I'm going to do is call this collection agency because, see, my debt has already been sold from Bank of America, so there's no need me to call Bank of America. So now I call this collection agency. So I call Marcus and Rob's collection and they say, hey, 
we're not going to get, you're going to have to pay us the thousand. So let's say we go back and forth and I just say, I don't have the thousand. So Marcus says, all right, I'll take 500 for it. He says, no, you know, I'll take 550. So now we purchased 350. We sold it to Rob. Rob going to say sold. I'll take it because in his head, he's going to like, I remember running that card up for a thousand dollars. Now I'm going to get over on you because I'm only going to pay you 550. Wow. I'll, take, I'll take that deal. So now me and you, we just made what? $200 profit. Mm-hmm. So the name of the game is we continue to purchase as many uh, charge off debt as we can yeah. so we can make money. And so that's how we flip that. So that's why we always stress. I always, always, always stress. Do not pay the collection agencies. They're privately owned. They're not sanctioned by no government. Do not pay them. There's no reason to pay them. And I'm going to tell you why. So now I pay, let's say Robert Lee paid the collection agency. They take the balance down to zero because they're not the original debt. They can take off their collections off the credit report if they want to. Sometimes they don't. But that original debt, guess what it's doing? It's still showing up on your credit report because it was reported by Bank of America. America not so even though Bank of America got they got it as a charge off and all those non-payments that your ass wasn't doing all those years when you ran it up to make it charge off. So now you done paid them and you say, hey, uh, collection agency, take this off the credit file. And they said, we did. And they said, well, it's still showing up. <laughs> oh, that's not from us. That's from Bank of America. So see, now Bank of America ain't going to remove that. There's no reason to remove that. They they like, I'm not answering no phone calls. Your debt has already been paid, so we ain't got to do nothing. So that's why we always say never pay them because, see, now you done paid that money, and now it's still on your debt, and you still ain't got nowhere. People always say, well, I, I got this removed, or I paid this debt off, and my credit score hasn't changed. That's why it hasn't changed, because you're still showing that negative uh, reaction on your debt. Just because you paid the collection agency don't mean nothing. Wow. See, you actually just peep, put me on game right there. So basically, once you go into default with the loan, whatever uh, you got from the bank, the credit collection agency is just basically buying the debt and the bank is just like, you know what? This is already written off. So now I'm just going to just get some money off of that. And they're taking that and then turn around and going to you and making that quick little flip. But in actuality, you still haven't done nothing because the original debt was with the, with the bank. That is ingenious. That is a hustle for your ass. That is a hustle. And, and, and just like you said, the bank, the bank is what? They're insured. Mm-hmm. So so when you when you default on these credit cards, they get their money. Don't don't believe they don't. So now they got their money. And now what you just said, now they OK with giving it to a private collection agency for a third of what it costs. Cause that's just extra money. So now they didn't, they got the insurance to pay off your debt, and now they done made an extra three fifty off your head. Wow, wow, cold world out here in these streets. Wow. So how do I fix that though? Like how how do I? So you're saying don't pay the collection agencies? I got okay. that. So how do I fix it? So this is how you take care of it. So, and that's why I said it's never a quick fix. So I what I've learned recently that it's two parts to credit repair. So the first part is getting rid of the negative items. So because of the Fair Credit Act, we all have a right that the fair that the, because it's a privately owned company, they have to report our information correct. They do not have the right to report our information unless it's 100 percent correct. So that means we've known you as what, Marcus, what does the L stand for? Uh, Lord. OK. All right. <laughs> so, sorry, so, sorry. so just I'm just saying. So imagine. If something on your credit file has the Marcus L. Spade Johnson, and let's say something on your credit file has Marcus Johnson, we, we don't really know who Marcus Johnson is. 
So if one of those debts got something that you don't want to report, and then let's just say you say, hey, look, Experian, and you send a note to Experian and say, hey, this is my name, this is my social, this is my phone number, this is the only thing I want on my credit files. So now they have to report what you tell them to report. See, that's you getting involved. So now you say, I only want Marcus Johnson on that. So everything that you ever apply for, let's say you just apply for some stuff and you put Marcus L. Spade on there, you just put whatever on there. <laughs> and, and the stuff that you applied for back then, put a middle initial or whatever the case may be, it has to come off your credit file. Wow. So see, now let's say with that Bank of America, it actually had that on there and you couldn't get it off because they're not going to, they, they're not fielding your phone calls because they already charged your debt off. So they don't care. And they already paid it off. So they don't care about that either. So now when you go to the, trying to get your items deleted, you're going to say, you're going to leverage the fair credit act. And it's basically going to say everything that you report has to be 100% correct, or you have to by law take it off or you, or with, or withstand a lawsuit, which they don't even want to get to get into all that. So they just take it off. No fight. So now you got that taken off. So, that's kind of like the first part. You want to be able to challenge all the negative items on your that's showing up on your file. So if that's showing up, if that collections is showing up, if that charge off is showing up, whatever is if you're defaulting on some student loans, whatever is negative on your file, you can challenge them and say, "Hey, look, uh, because of the Fair Credit Act, you know, you have to report my information correct. Uh, I want you to launch an investigation about all of these items that you list. Everything that's negative and say because." This is not me. You can say something simple as that, even though you know it's you. Um, it doesn't matter what you say because see, now they have to launch an investigation. Uh, what they're going to do is, whole game, what experience is going to do is say, oh, we verified all 12 items. They verify it's you. Have a nice day. So then now that's where most people get stuck doing their credit repair themselves because they always say you can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. Yes, you can do it yourself. You, a lot of people go wash their own car, but they still go to the car wash. You get nice. what I'm saying? So like, it's a lot of stuff you can do yourself. Like you, you can cook yourself too, but you still go out to eat. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You still have somebody service you and feed you food. So I don't want to get on that. So when you when you do the credit repair yourself, that's when you get to the first stumbling block. And that first stumbling block is, what do you say when Equifax says, oh, we verified it? So then now, because it took 30 days now, and when you send a letter off, they have 30 days to gather information to say we verified it. If they can't verify it within those 30 days, by law, they have to take it off. Or they'll just send you something back saying we verified it. So let's say they sent you something back. Now they verified it. Now you're struggling because now most people get stuck right there. So when you're doing the credit repair yourself, you're like, I don't know what else to do. They verified it. What should I do? This is what you should do. You should send out another letter saying, okay, I need you to provide every information or every bit of information that you use or that you have to verify that this is me. So now they got to prove that they verified it. So now what they got to do? They got to call uh, Marcus and Rob's collection agency. Now, guess what? With a lot of collection agencies, it's privately owned. They they start up thinking they got something. When they can't get them debt paid, neither they go out of business. Uh, so now, so now that place that went out of business. So now Equifax already know they didn't hear from them when they tried the first time. They they trying to bluff you because they just want you to do what get frustrated and just give up. Give up. So so now, now that you're gonna be persistent. We find out Marcus and them ain't got their business in, in uh, no more. <laughs> so now Equifax <laughs> can't get nobody on the phone. And even if they get somebody on the phone, now I'm, let's say they get me on the phone. And I'm like, man, his, his paperwork over here somewhere. I don't know where it was at because it was my job as a collection agency to get it from Bank of America. So when I bought it from Bank of America, I told Bank of America, fax me everything that you got that says that they signed for this credit card. And if they didn't provide any information, so what? I'm still going to try my luck. So now I know I don't got this information. So now I got to tell Equifax, like, man, I don't got that money signature. Like Bank of America didn't give it to me. 
So now they have to remove it that way. Or let's just say Bank of America try to play hardball and let's say we fax some over and you you then they fax that letter and that information to you. So now that they verified it, now that's what I feel like as a as a client doing it yourself, you're stuck at this point. Because if it gets verified, then what else do you do? And so now, so now, so here's the here's the here's the trick to the credit repair. And this is how a lot of credit repair agencies do. This is well, this is really what we do a lot. So we do it legal legally. A lot of people say that they can zap your stuff off less than 30, 45 days. That's a lot. They can zap it, it's gonna come back. Less than 30, 45 days, it's gonna be back mm-hmm. on your credit file. What they do is they get people to falsify a false police report saying that you know identity was stolen, all this jazz. And then they use all of that information saying all of this stuff was back then. And then they get that stuff zapped off and it takes it takes it off. And then as soon as you apply for something, three months later, it gets pulled right back on your credit file. So we always say be real uh, aware of worry when it comes to quick fixes, because I'm telling you guys, even though I have my own credit repair business, I'm telling you there's no quick fix. So whether you go through somebody like myself or you do it yourself, there's no quick fix in it at all whatsoever. And so to finish, to wrap that part up, when you do go through, um, and then let's say Equifax, if they can't verify the information or they can't get in touch with me or you, then that's typically when they got to take it off. And that and that alone, so mind you, the time it takes you to mail the letters off twice and it gets there, that's like, what, seven days a piece, somewhere mm-hmm. between seven days a piece, that's 14 days, added to the 30 days for the first search, 30 days for the second search. So that's 60 days plus another 14 days. It's like, what, 55 days? Like, what, 60, 60, 55, 75, 75 days? That's almost 90 days. So that's almost three months, and you only challenge this stuff twice. And so that's why we always tell people it's a process in it, and you got to be willing to go along with the process. And so your goal should be trying to find somebody that can fix it for you, but do it, you know, at the cheapest rate because you already know going in it's going to take you a couple of months regardless no matter what you do. And so that's how you typically fix it um, with the... With the um, with the negative items. Now with the build, um, I don't I don't know if you remember what was your what was your credit score when you first got out of college? My credit score was super low. It was like in the sixes, <laughs> six hundred or so. See, and that's not low. That's not good, but that's not low. So most people, when they're rebuilding their credit, it's in the let's say five hundreds, five eighty, five fifty range, maybe the early six hundreds. First thing I do when I do a credit consultation is I ask people, do you have a credit card? 90% of them said, no, I don't deal with credit cards. Or I got rid of credit cards. Or credit cards is what got me in trouble, so I cut them off. You just destroyed 165 points of your credit. Really? 165 points. So do the math. If you if the highest you can get is an 850, you just took away. Now, at this point, by getting rid of your credit cards, the highest you can ever get is a 690. That's the highest you can get. No matter what, if you have zero credit cards and you don't have any type of other trade lines connected to your name, you can't get higher than six ninety. So you asked just asked my next question. My next question was like, should I get a credit card? And you just answered that. But damn it, yeah. all right. <laughs> yes. And so, positive trade lines is what you need. So thirty percent of your credit credit file, thirty percent, you guys, of your credit file is um, car, uh, credit utilization. So that's basically any kind of your accounts that you have, like basically, basically your trade line accounts, which are, i.e., your credit cards and things of that nature. Um, or if you have if you have loans that are revolving, any kind of revolving account. So if, even if you have loans that revolve and not just installment type loans, um, that's going to be your, your utilization. With that utilization, you have to keep your debt to credit income ratio below thirty percent. So if you got a revolving loan and that loan is 10000 you typically can't go over 3000 If you got a credit card that's worth 1000 you can't typically go over $300. And if we all got a credit card worth 1000 we know we're setting over more than 
wow. yeah. So a lot of people don't know that you lose points quickly by going over your 30%. So my recommendation would be if I'm fixing uh, Marcus's credit, first thing I would tell him is we're, my company is going to challenge all your negative items. So if you got 12 negative items, we're going to challenge all 12 the very first time. A lot of people don't do that. They string you along. So if you try to look for the best credit repair, look for somebody that's going to be able to challenge everything the first time and not do two this month, two next month, two next month, two next month, because that's how they get you. So if you're paying $79 a month, they're going to, they want you to stay for like nine months. Makes sense. So, so back to it. So I will first tell you, I'm going to challenge your negative items. So while we're sending off those letters to, uh, to the credit bureaus on your behalf, um, I'm, my next question is how many credit cards you have? You said you don't have any. So now, I'm saying you're giving away 165 points. Let's build that back up. My first uh, line of, I guess, direction would be get a secure card because your credit score is not going to be good enough to even apply for a regular credit card. What's a secure card? Can you break that down? Yep. A secure card is a credit card uh, from the banks. So it's basically a secured type of loan or a, a secured revolving account because of uh, the fact that you're going to pay for it yourself. So you're basically would take, I would say, hey, do you got a savings account? You say, yeah, I got a savings account. I said, okay, well, I need you to take out $250. Well, I just paid you $89 a month. Understandable. You're going to take that $250 out of your savings account and you're going to get a secured card. So with that, you're going to go to the bank, say, here, take my $250. It's almost putting it back in your savings. So you're going to say, take my $250. They're going to say, all right, we're going to hold on to this $250 as collateral. And then we're going to give you a card for a limit of $250. So now you got a credit card with a limit of 250. And if you're staying below your 30%, you can't pretty much go over the 60 bucks, 75 bucks, something like that. My math might be off. So, so now I always say, go fill your tank up. Wait, when, as soon as your tank gets to eat, swipe your card. It's going to be about 45 bucks to get a full tank of gas. I don't know what you're driving unless you're driving some big ass car. So <laughs> now you got, I say, take that 45, your minimum payment, because it's a brand new car, it's going to be $10. Set up automatic payment with the minimum payment. So now it's going to take about five months to pay off those $45. So now you got payment history, which is worth 192 points. Wow. On your credit file. So now you got payment history. And then now you got credit card utilization. Because see, now you got that trade line that you opened up. And with that trade line being opened up, and then you got five months of consecutive payments because you didn't miss a payment because you did what? You set it up automatic debit mm-hmm. to take a chance to set it coming up out of your uh, debit card so you don't even see the money. And then now you just build up your payment history. So now payment history is worth 35% of your credit file. So a lot of people don't know that. So payment history dates back all the way back to when you first started. So that's, if you got a credit card that's 10 years old, I would always advise people, please don't cut that credit card off because you just you just probably took 60 points off your credit file. And and I was the person that made that mistake. I got mad with a young lady one night. I had like I had like four or five credit cards. I can't remember at this time I had. So I was like, I'm not even using this card. And it had a it had a yearly it had an annual um, what's the name onto it. So I had to pay every year at the same time. Every year I had to pay ninety nine dollars. I never noticed it because I was swiping the mess out of it. So right. when I got the card paid off, of course, when I see some pop up, say, hey, you, you owe us 99 bucks. I'm like, I haven't used that card in like over a year. I'm not paying you, I'm not paying you $99. And it was like, well, you got this annual fee. And I was like, oh, I never really paid attention because I always had that card maxed out back in the day. So so what I would do is, so I got into it later, got the argument. And she was just like, well, you have to pay it. I said, well, you know what? I'll tell you what, just close the account. How about that? Wow. I said, I'll take my services elsewhere. Not knowing <laughs> that that was the oldest, that was the oldest account I had on my phone. 
Wow. <laughs> and it was at a zero balance. I had like $15,000 available credit. Like I had a lot of available credit because I, I, it was at zero. So I had a, a li- credit limit of like 15K and it, and it card. I had it over 10 years. And so let me tell you, I had like an 812. When I closed this account, I never, mind you, this is somebody I never missed a payment. I've never missed a payment on none of my credit cards, by the way. And when I closed this account, my credit score went from an 812 to a 745. Wow. I said, did y'all just penalize me just because I closed the account? Are you are you freaking kidding me? I was so mad, but I didn't know because I was just learning the, the process. So that's why I tell people, when I tell people you're missing out on 165, you're missing out on 165. I watched mine drop significantly just because I closed an account that was at zero balance. It wasn't hurting anybody. I ain't used that credit card in over a year. That was crazy to me. So then I learned if you got accounts, they hurt them. They hurt you worse to close them. I don't care if they're five years old, two years old, leave them open. So now to get Marcus back, right? I got him to open up the credit card. Now he's making on-time payments. So now he's getting some of his 192 and he's getting some of his 165. You can't get it all off one card. That's common sense. So now when he gets it, usually that takes, it gives you about a 30 or 40 point increase for opening up the card. Then you'll get another maybe 30, 40 points just for uh, establishing that um, history for five months. So then now what you got? So let's say the total was 80 points. And let's say you started out with a 580. And you're at 660 right now. So right now you can get approved for any mortgage, any mortgage in the U.S. Because you only really need a 640 nowadays to get approved for a house loan. Uh, but if you got a 680 or 660, it's a guarantee. I can guarantee. I don't, it's not a lender that's going to turn you down in none of these 50 states. So now you get a chance to get approved for a house. Now you also get a chance to get approved for a car. And guess what? We ain't even got no negative items back yet. I did all that by just getting you to open up a credit card. Wow, bro. Okay, you know what? All right, sold. Hell, I'll be getting your services after this broadcast. <laughs> dead, dead, dead ass. Yo, what's up, DJ L Spade? Common Knowledge Podcast. If you like my podcast, maybe you'll like my music too. I humbly ask that you go listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, or other music streaming service providers. Thank you. So let me ask you this, this, because you just broke down and gave up the game. I don't want to give up too much game, man. But So let me ask the next dumb question for a lot of people who, who are scared to ask. So I got my credit up to six 600s. And I, you, like you said, I can get pre-approved for any mortgage. Now, the next question. Am I, how do I buy a house? Like, what's my first step? <laughs> so, so it's a good thing that you're talking to a realtor here in the uh, wonderful state of Tennessee. But so the first step is always speak to the uh, lender. I always tell people, if you're thinking about getting into the home buying process, just go speak to a lender before you speak to a realtor or a real estate agent. A lender? Reason why bank, I say, you're saying? Yes. Yep. And the reason why I say that is the bank is going to be in charge of giving you the money. So they hold all the cards. They either win, lose, or draw. Me as a realtor, excuse me, I work for you. So you can position me and use me how you need to, but the lenders also work for you. So when I work to get my, my client's credit as high as possible, I want to at least get it over 680 to 720. Somewhere in that range, I can force them and they will be in a position to shop around for better rates because uh, Bank of America mortgage may give them a 3.2 Regions mortgage may give them a 3.1. Mm. Um, some you know, bodies, uh, hometown community mortgage may give them a three on the dot. I, I always encourage my clients get your credit score up as high as you can, get everything off your credit file 
So when you're fine and you're ready to run and run and get purchased at home, now you have everything that you need. No, no backtracking. Go talk to a lender. And when you go talk to a lender, they're going to run your credit and they're going to say, hey, the credit file looks good. You don't have any uh, outstanding debt that we want you to get taken care of. Um, I can give you a loan up to $350,000 at a rate of 3.2. You're going to tell them, thank you for that information. I'll be in touch. Mm. And then you're going to go call other people because now the clock is ticking. You have 30 to almost 45 days that when they take that hard pull, that hard inquiry on your credit, that it won't get pulled by all the other lenders. You can't get a hard inquiry by uh, multiple um, organizations, like in other words, a lender. So a lender can only get a hard pull on your credit file once. Once you get that hard pull, now you shop that good rate now. So now we got you up to that. Let's say I got you up to the 705. I want you to call as many lenders and get in touch with many lenders as you can because I want you to find the best rate. Because somebody going to say, well, I can get you up to a 375 at a 3.0. You know, even though they may give you up more money or they may approve you for less money, you want to go with the best interest rate because you don't want to be house poor. So just because somebody say you're proof 375, I always tell my people, don't be trying to get the biggest house you can get. Because then when you get yourself into some trouble, only if you need it with your family. So that's, so that's how you start the house buying process. You speak to a lender. The lender says, Mr. Johnson, you are approved for $350,000 at a rate of 3.2. Um, so now I'm going to send you over this letter that says you're pre-approved. You take that letter to whatever uh, real estate agent you want to, and, and there you call a real estate agent and find one and say, hey, I found the house. Let's go house shopping. So now you call me. You say, hey, Mr. Lee, I seen your ad or I was referred to you by a friend, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm looking for a house. And so now I'm going to introduce myself. I'm super excited. My first question as a realtor, as a real estate agent, hey, did you get a pre-approved from a lender yet? Mm. That's my first question. So guess what? If you didn't do that first and, and you come to me without that pre-approval, I'm going to say, hey, I would love to help you, Mr. Johnson, but I need you to get that pre-approval. I said, I can most definitely help you. I can most definitely look at some houses for you, but I'm just being honest because of the market. If you see a house you really like, I want you to be able to be able to purchase that house on the spot. And I don't want you to be able to go talk to a lender and then wait to get approved 48 hours later and the house is gone. I don't want to get your hopes up for your dream home and then you let it slip away. So I really want you to go ahead and get approved first. And that's, that's my pitch. And so you'll say, OK, I see what you're saying. And then you're going to go get the pre-approval letter. Now, when you come back to me with the pre-approval letter, we're cooking. Because all I'm going to say is I'm going to set you up on this email list. I'm going to send you these homes. Um, as I send you these homes, if you see anything you like, go ahead and um, just send me an email. Say, hey, I want to view this, 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 and this. And then we, I'm going to get my uh, card and we're just going to go open up some houses. And then we open some houses. If you see something, you're going to say, this is the one. I love it. Let's go. I don't want to look at nothing else. I'm going to get back to my computer. And at that point, I just, it's my job to try to see if I can get the house for a little bit less. And it's my job to see if I can get them to pay for some of your closing costs, which I'm I'm like batting like over 90 percent. Like hey. I, 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 last year, I put my first five people to start the year off last year. They paid zero dollars and got a brand new build construction home and paid zero dollars. Right here, make your dreams come true. <laughs> I, I see you over here. Listen, That's listen. Who, 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 how many times you heard people say, I want to get a home, I want to get a home, but then first thing they say is they don't have any money. So I have people that have a, just a little in their savings. They say, well, I got some savings for my saving for my closing costs, but I'm really hoping I'd say no more. 
It's a first time home buyer. I'm, I'm gonna get them into a lender. It's gonna give them a give them their uh, three point three point five percent down payment. We're gonna get that taken care of through the correct lender, and then all they have is the closing costs. And then now I'm gonna go to the who's selling the home and say, hey, look, I got some people that are really interested in it. Um, I'm not gonna lowball you, but I'm okay with giving you this, or I'm okay with giving you what you asked for if you can just take care of closing costs. And see, sometimes I'll go in just like that, and I just tell I'll tell the, uh, the selling the listing agent, hey, look. I'm not even for the low ball. This, this house is priced at a good price. Um, we're really interested. I just want to know, can you take care of the closing costs for us? And, you know, we'll just be straight up and down. And most of the time, they appreciate that. Nine times out of 10, if I did the comps and it's worth it, I'm going to do that. If I did the comps and it's less, then yes, I'm going to ask for less. You know, whatever's in the best interest of my, my clients. But in those situations, my clients are already approved for more and they don't mind paying that price for the house. And then now they're going to get it for free because basically they're paying for the closing costs. So all they did was just sign a contract with me, sign a contract with them, and they just walked out with some keys to a new home 30 days later. Bet. Now, you said something that was interesting to me. You said you don't want your clients to be house poor. What does that mean? So you go to the lender, and let's say it's you and your girlfriend and her dog, and y'all decide to buy a home. And you say, you know what? Let's just upgrade. I want to own some land. I'm going to buy a home. So now you buy a home. You a small family, just a dog. So the because of you work so good and you work so hard your your whole life, the lender says, well, you don't have any debt. You took care of your finances. We can approve you for up to a $400,000 home. So now that $400,000 home, you're going to be paying $2,500 or probably almost $3,000, depending on what the interest rate is, and, and as a mortgage. So now you see this beautiful home. It's five bedrooms, got a swimming pool, and all you can see is how many parties you can throw, how many everybody can love you and, and hang out with you and your girlfriend, all these little house parties. You're going to be the talk of the block and, and just finna show people, I just got this brand new, almost a half a million dollar home. And then now something happened to your car. Now you need to get another car. So now you got another car note. So now you got another car note set at 300. Now you got this mortgage. So now you, you probably paying somewhere upwards of 3,500. And then you've been taking care of your credit, but then as you, get this new house, you spending your credit, now your credit card going up there, now you got a credit card payment. So see, now you got all this debt now. And the, now you're living from check to check. Mm. But when you was living in that two-bedroom apartment, you was only paying $1,300. And now you're paying $3,500. So now, with that being said, now you're trying to figure out, well, how am I going to be able to make ends meet? Or well, how am I going to let this bill go? Let that bill go. And that's why I tell people, they they get into this mentality and they want the, like, the super best. Like, it's okay to want the best for your money. But like when you if you don't really need all of that, don't get that. So now you and your girlfriend and the dog sitting in a six bedroom house and now you 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 living from paycheck to paycheck and now you're house poor. So basically you can't do nothing. You can't hang out. You can't go out on vacations. People say, hey, why you can't come hang out with us? You can't go on this vacation. What is this? Five hundred dollars a person. Oh, man, I'm a pass this time because you're house poor. Because see now you're living from check to check in this big old house that you can't do number set in this big old house because you can't hang out with nobody else when you should have just got a nice little two bedroom home. Around two seventy five or something, your your mortgage probably would have been somewhere on fifteen hundred. You was already paying twelve hundred, so now you got a, a nice little home with nice little yard, fence, and everything for the dog, and you was only paying fifteen hundred. So now that person paying fifteen hundred dollars for their nice little home two seventy five. Now they got at least thirteen hundred dollars freed up money. Now they can go out on them vacations that they want to do. Now they can hang out with their friends. They can do things because they're not house poor, and we got to get out that mentality. You just broke down a whole nother level of the game, man, living in between your means and why you should live between your means and 
And yo, the fact that you just actually will break that down to your clients, man, just shows that you re- you actually really care. And I think it's important for um for usums to really hear that because um that's one thing that I grew up always hearing that yo, black folks need to own houses. We need to own houses. Like the quickest way to get wealth and prosperity is to own a house. But I never knew why or like how to go about doing it, man. You just broke it down right there because it don't make no sense. Like you just said, to uh, have a house, a five hundred, I have a million dollar house, and I can't pay the bills because eventually I'm gonna get kicked out of it anyway. Yep, yep. And and, and a lot of when a lot of people say, and I want to touch on what you just said when they tell you, you know, we should own houses, we should own houses. If it's not for you and you know that you travel a lot and you're single and you're moving around, it may not be for you to own a home. But we always encourage, especially our people, we always encourage them to get some type of ownership because see, you can pass that down to a legacy. So me, myself, imagine if I wasn't doing anything else, you know, and I got all these children of mine that I have. (laughs) (laughs) So let me see where I'm at. I'm at four now. So imagine if I wasn't doing anything else, you know, and passing different knowledge to my kids. The least I could do was pass this land in this home. So this home I just purchased, I purchased it last year or the year before last. I purchased it for a 360. And in a year later, this house, the house up the street uh, sold for 422. It was smaller than my house. Oh, so wow. I know for a fact my house will appraise for 450 a year later. That's a hundred thousand dollars in equity. Right there. What does equity mean for people who don't so know? So that's that's the money that you have. Um, that's it's kind of like if you have a like, expenses over um, income type of thing. That's the money that you got into that, that that property or that purchase. So that's what a lot of people when they get into real estate, um, they're basically trying to see how much money they have built up into that, and how much money they can get out of it. So give me an example for my home when we talk about equity. So now let's say I'm at a hundred thousand dollars in equity in my home right now. So I could honestly borrow against that. That is my money. That is my money, 100%. So if I sell this home right now, I'm going to get a check for $100,000 because if I sell it for $450,000, you know, I done paid off at least it down to $350,000. So I only owe $350,000 on my note to the bank. So now if I sell this, and I'm going to sell it for $450,000. So guess what? I got $100,000 in my pocket now. So with that $100,000 in my pocket now, that's what the equity is. And that's the money that you got. And that's why we always try to tell people, like most people always say, well, I don't see no purpose in buying a home. I don't see no purpose in buying a home. Just right in and there. If my family was like, you know, don't forget, I lost my job during COVID. If I needed that money, I could have I could have either sold the home and had that money and just bought a smaller home. Or I honestly could have just borrowed against it and opened up a line of credit. It's called a HELOC. So now if I open up that line of credit, so, so, so now I've got $100,000 available to me while I lost my job, while I try to get another job, while I try to get other things. And see, and that's what the rich do. Because see, the rich, they do that. And when they get that $100,000 or they'll take out some money against their home, and guess what they'll do? So now let's imagine if I got that $100,000 we just talked about equity. Now, I'm going to put y'all on, on how, to, how to get money now. So real quick, it's going to be quick. So now I, I just got $100,000. My wife said, well, babe, I don't want to move, but we need some money. I said, why do we need some money? Okay, well, you lost a job and you just getting another job to transition. Our savings accounting where it needs to be. Okay. So I take out a HELOC. So I take out a, a home uh, equity loan against a line of credit. So now, when I take out 100000 against my house. So now when I take out 100000 against my house, I can use it well for the next 10 years if I want to. It's almost like a credit card for $100,000. Mm. So I could choose to use it. I could choose not to use it. If I use it, if I use it and pay it off, 
it gets it back up to 100,000. So if I use 10,000 of it and it go down to 90,000, I could pay that 10,000 back and it's back up to 100,000. And so I, and I still got the, I still can use it. So now, now this is what the rich do. So now that you got that $100,000, it's just there if you need it. Now you're going to go window shopping. You're going to get an agent or you want to talk to some people and you're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about getting into some investment properties. So now you might see this wonderful home that you can flip. Before then, you didn't have the cash to be able to get that home. Now you got $100,000 sitting over here waiting, calling your name when you need it. So now you find this home in a nice little area, some, you know, older lady just moving in with her kids and probably sold the home, whatever the case may be. So now you got this home and needs a little fixing up. You pay $50,000 for it, but it's in an area of where that home being a three-bedroom home is typically worth um, two twenty-five. dollars mm. But you pay $50,000 for it. So see, now we, me and you would lose this out because, you know, our parents never know, known about this. They didn't know anything about it. They, they couldn't teach it and pass it on to us. So now, guess what? I said, say if I'm looking at that same home and I want to get into the, uh, the house flipping business, I'm going up against an investor who has what? Cash. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm offering 50 and investors offering 45, he may be offering 45 cash. I got to get a loan out against that because Lord knows I don't have $50,000 yeah, because cash of on me. Yeah. Because where I'm from, the poverty, where I grew up, whatever excuse you want to give it, I don't have that amount of cash on me. Even though I've been doing well, I just don't have that amount of cash. So they're going to go with the investor, even though he's paying less because it's a quick close. They can get their money in 15 days versus them getting it from the bank in 30 days. People want their money now. So now, what would you do if you had that $100,000? Now I can challenge and bid against those investors wow. that think that they got all the cash. So now I got this 100000 So now the investor said, well, I'm going to do 45 cash. I'll say, okay, I'll give you 50 cash for it. So, so now what? So now I win it, bid, take this $50,000 home. Let's say I put 40000 into the rehab. It ain't going to cost 40000 because that's almost the price of the house. But I'm just giving you weird numbers. So say it costs 40000 for the rehab. So now there's 90000 that I paid up front. I paid fifty to get it, forty to rehab it. So now I put in a, a 90000 well, I just sat here and told you this house is worth two twenty-five. So see, now I just made my ninety thousand back plus ten plus twenty-five, thirty-five, one thirty-five. So I just made one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars when I sold that house on the open market right now. So now I, so now what I'm finna do? I only took fifty out of this line of credit over here sitting in the corner. I'm gonna take fifty of what I just of my new one thirty-five. Ah, uh, back in there. So see uh, now, I got this hundred thousand. Now guess what I got? So I got 135 minus 50. Lord knows my math. Was it 85, I guess? Okay. So now I got 85K. Just because I took out a line of credit against my house because I got built up equity because I decided to purchase and not rent. So now I got 85K. What you going to do with the 85K? You can throw a little bit of some stocks. We've been playing with stocks this year. Don't lie. We all been, we all been thinking we know what we're talking about, but we know we don't. <laughs> so you can, take, you can take a little 5K and throw that on some crypto or whatever you think that's just going to jump up out, out, the, out the sky. Then now you got another 80K. Like I said, you still got 80K left out the 85. So now you can take and put some of that in the bank. You know, you've been teaching, you've been teaching yourself how to save. If you got kids, you can put up, you start a little college fund, start a little trust fund for the children, whatever you want to do. And then you can put some money back over here or guess what you can do? Now you got the 80. Hey, I flipped that house. I did a good job. Let me find me another house. Let me step my game up a little bit. Let me, or let me find another $50,000 house that I can flip into another 200. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So now you got money to play with. I don't even have to use this line of credit. That line of credit just got me started. That's what it's there for. It's there for emergency 
purposes only. But see, now it got me started. So now I'm thinking I'm going to flip. I ain't got to be a flipping king. I ain't got to move but one or two houses a month. Think about this. If you if you flip at least one house every three or four months, they make $100,000. A lot of people don't make $100,000 the whole year. You done made some money. You're like, why are you going to be mad at that? Or why would you be mad? So why would you be mad if you flipped it out, if you only got three houses in the whole entire year? Who cares? You just might have made $300,000 the whole entire year. You get what I'm saying? All because you took out this line of credit against what? Your home. And then your note would have been. So now some, some people think like, well, what would I pay if I borrowed against my home? They're going to push it out like a mortgage. So when you take out $100,000 and they push it out over 30 years, now you got like some $300,000 $300, payment or whatever. And it's only against what you pay. So when I say $300,000, that's my bad. You got some kind of $30 to $300 payment. Because see, mind you, even though I took out the $100K, I only borrowed the initial 50. you right. So now I got 50000 stretched out over 30 years over mortgage term. So I guarantee that note is going to be $250. Who can't afford $250 until you to the house get done flipping? And now you put that money back. Now you don't pay that note again. So listen, hey, get a house. If you ain't got a house, get a townhome. Unless you plan on just being a nomad, jumping from here to here to here to here to here. If you think you're going to be somewhere still for at least three to four years, maybe five years, I always tell people, if you're single, you can get a townhome. It's the same thing. You're investing in something. When you move, you can rent it out. You can lease it out. Or you can just flat out sell it. And the same thing, if you got a family, you need to have a house anyway. The kids need to run around out back. They need to quit running up and down these uh, apartment stairs. Facts. Man, all right. You know what? You answer everything I need to answer. Uh, Before I let you go, though, man, I don't want to just leave on a totally heavy note. You don't give everybody the knowledge. I know you uh, are an NBA uh, fan. What do you think about the playoffs? <laughs> hey, listen. I love them. I want to say I ain't got no dog in his hunt, but I'm a Celtics fan. We be getting out, we getting our butt smacked right now. I don't hey, even know you the only black guy who's a Celtic fan. How how'd it happen? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I just Boston everything. So it's Boston everything except baseball, which is then I'm a Braves fan because I lived in Atlanta for a little bit. But uh, I don't know how that happened. Honest, just being honest, it's just weird how it happened. So Patriots fan, Celtics fan, uh, college basketball. I like Syracuse. And then college football, like Notre Dame, because that's the only channel we had when I grew up in the country was Channel 5. And they got the NBC contract. So that's the only football I knew growing up. And what else? Uh, hockey, I guess I can go with the home team with the Preds here. Yeah, I'm a Preds. I'm a Preds. But look, so. So, so listen, listen. So you was like saying as far as about, so, you know, I'm an avid basketball fan. I love it. I, the playoffs is just crazy. I'm just hoping that somebody... Kind of, I'm, I don't want the Nets to win. I don't know why. I just really don't want the Nets to win, man. They, the hate comes out. I, 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 feel, I feel like I feel like they've done a good job, man, of uh, acquiring assets. But I was really ticked off because when they joined forces, they was like us against everybody, and we about to beat beat the brakes off of everybody. And they was nothing to be a good team until they got hard. And I almost feel like that ain't fair. But I mean, then again, I guess everybody else be stacking their team. So what's fair any days anyway nowadays? Well, I mean, look. I'm a math fan. I always been a Dallas math fan. And people always ask me because I'm from Memphis. Like, why are you a math fan? I'm like, yo, because I started watching basketball before the Grizzlies came. So I'm not going to jump ship. I'm a real one. I'm not going to jump ship because the Grizzlies came there. I mean, I root for the home team. Like, the home team is there. I got a spot for them. But, yo, I'm a Dallas math fan. And right now, the homie Luca is doing his damn thing. I don't care what nobody <laughs> said. This, this guy is the truth right now. He the future. Luca for president. Facts, <laughs> facts. 
I was a Dirk fan, and I like, but when Dirk was getting ready to retire, he was on the back end. I was like, yo, man, this dude looking kind of slow. I mean, I still love Duke. I still love Dirk. He's the man. But, like, it might be time for me to hop ship, man, because I don't see the squad going nowhere. And then just like a, whoo, out of nowhere, Luca came. I'm like, yes, thank you. Got me another European. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you got that little kid for a minute. You know what I'm saying? If y'all can keep Porzingis uh, from being injured, you might be all right. Who do you think is going to come out the West? Um, before they started, I thought the Clippers would come out the West, just being transparent. But honestly, I don't even know now because uh, Davis is down. So I feel like the after I'm seeing what Mal is doing to the Clippers, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's such a toss-up because it's about – NBA basketball is about matchups. So the reason why y'all are dismantling the Clippers, mm. you know, is because y'all match up well against them. But the Clippers, I feel like if they played anybody else, they probably would have won in four. But remember, they struggled against Dallas last year until Porzingis got injured, and then Dallas couldn't keep up with it. But Dallas won the first game, I think, last year or, or challenged them. So like, you got to understand, yeah. they, they match up well against the Clippers, no matter what. So it's about matchups. So I really feel like, for whatever reason, Phoenix match up well against the Lakers. I really ain't sold on uh, Utah uh, because they just live and die by the three. And then you got Denver. I kind of I'm not as sold on Denver only because Jamal is not playing. So if Jamal Murray didn't go out with that injury, I would have felt like most definitely Denver is coming out the West. But I mean, that means Jokic is doing everything by himself. Thanks. So you know, I just look at that, and then like I said, Utah. If you get somebody in front of those three point shooters, they don't know what else to do. Like they not they don't have an inside <laughs> game. They don't have a drive. Like it's just Donovan Mitchell take us to the promised land, shoot until you just get tired of shooting. Like, that ain't going to be no good formula against a really good defensive team like the Lakers if they had AD. So, right now, it's a toss-up who coming out that West. Who you got coming out the East? Um, oh, it's going to be between uh, Philly and the Nets, no doubt. What? what? You don't and, think and, uh, Milwaukee coming out? And, so, and that's crazy because I was born and raised in Milwaukee. So, the home team, this is what I feel about Milwaukee. I didn't trust Milwaukee, but I'm not going to lie. The other day I seen Milwaukee play, and how they dismantled the Heat, I was like, this is a different Milwaukee team. And the reason why I noticed they got this young guy on his name on his team named Brand Forbes. So if any of my real basketball fans, look up Brand Forbes. I know y'all probably know who he is, but listen, y'all should look at his summer league. Y'all should Google Brand Forbes summer league and watch him dismantle every rookie that year that played in the summer league. <laughs> Brand averaged almost 40 points. Shooting like Steph Curry. I mean, he was coming off pick. He was shooting deep. I thought he was going to be the next Steph Curry. So I, I, I fell into the hype. I was like, oh, this is this is going to be the next Steph Curry. My friends were like, boy, that dude terrible. He trashed. He played with San Antonio. Popovich didn't give him no shine. He goes to Milwaukee. He leads, He led the league this year in field goal percentage. And he leading the team with field goals made. So he's the number one three-point shooter on his team. Is top in the NBA with three-point field goal percentage. Like, it's just amazing. Like, when you get under, under a different coach and he kind of lets you do your thing. Now, this is the dude that I saw in Summer League that was dropping people 40, 40 points when he – I don't care what rookie that came out that year, he was dropping folks 40 points. So, so I, I feel you when you ask about Milwaukee, but I just had to see them play against somebody. And they play the Knicks next. So, I promise you, if they beat the Nets, then my, I'm going to say Milwaukee probably going to get Philly. <laughs> so, you, so, you definitely leaning towards Philly. I think you're right. Philly got a clean path. To get to the yeah, Philly. It's like whoever feel like they can challenge Philly, and it's, it's Philly's gonna have the defense that's gonna really be able to challenge the Nets because see, they're gonna just trade buckets like the Nets for like, well, we can score threes, okay, well, y'all can't stop MB and y'all can't stop them driving because they don't have any defensive people to like get in front of anybody, they don't have any 
good defensive wings. So that's like the Nets Achilles heel. Like they don't have anybody on the wing that can stop people from slashing and getting to the rack. Yeah, I'm totally with you on it. The Nets are basically like uh, playing uh, 2K. Everybody just jacking it up. Dude. I'm like, yo, it ain't no defense on this <laughs> on this squad at all. Just everybody yeah. yak it up. But hey, we'll see if they got all score, man. That might be a 200 point game when they, <laughs> they get to play. Oh, it's gonna be, it's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be lights out. I can promise you that. game level. Well, that's the common knowledge podcast, man. Robert Lee, I want to say thank you, man, for giving the folks all this knowledge. Can you tell the folks where to find you at, man? Listen, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, pretty simple. Robert Lee. I keep it simple. You can find me on Instagram with We Miss Robert. There is a underscore somewhere in there. I don't really know. I just know my my handle is We Miss Robert. And once again, you can still search me by my whole name, Robert Lee. Uh, on TikTok, I think I'm Rob H. Lee, I think, on TikTok. And like I'm I'm like funny on TikTok. So y'all need to really follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I had I had one one uh post I did. Uh, hilarious. I know, Marcus, I don't think you got a chance to see it. I don't even know if you're on TikTok or not, but um, I got, I'm got i like almost 2 million views. So listen, I feel like I'm almost viral like just <laughs> off that one post. So y'all got to follow the old man. I can get down too. Man, TikTok famous right here. I didn't even know because I'm so old I'm not even on TikTok. I'm like, no. yo, I had an opportunity. I'm like, nah, I'm going to pass on this one. I'm so I, I, I passed on it too. I passed on it too until somebody said, hey, we making a lot of money off of credit repair because we're reaching a different audience on TikTok. I said, sign uh, me up. I need to get all them coins. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy right here. Master Fled. That's the homie Robert Lee Commonage Podcast, man. Check out my music on Spotify. I greatly appreciate you guys. And yo, I got to have you back again, dog. Like, this was super informative. Hey, listen, you have to bring me back. Listen, I'm dropping gems. I don't care what it is. We can talk about whatever. We can talk about relationships. I can teach y'all how to get married tonight. I can teach y'all how to uh, <laughs> break up with her. I can teach y'all how to break up with her tomorrow so you can go on a trip next week. I, whatever you need, I got it all. <laughs> the sad thing is, I know it's true. <laughs> Y'all be safe.